Are you a business owner looking for real advice and input? You're in the right place. From concept to launch to growth, funding and beyond. Welcome to Startup Hustle with your hosts. One once sold a business for $150 million. The other, the author of Million Dollar Bedroom. Here are your hosts of Startup Hustle, Matt DeCourcy and Matt Watson. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Jay Lockett, who will be sitting in for Matt Watson, who is in our office in the Philippines today. Jay, what's up? What's up, man? Oh, just a couple of things. Got to, got to do a little housekeeping before we uh, get too far into this. For the, first off, today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io. We can help you build your development teams quickly and affordably. And yes, I do own that business. Um, I also want to give a shout out to I am the B1. Thanks for the amazing feedback and review on Apple talking about how the two favorite things that they love on a podcast is getting inspired and learning something new. You guys can read all about that when you leave us a great review. We'd love to hear that and we'll give you a shout out. So Jay Lockett, your company, Jay Fabworks, where you currently are the CEO, the janitor, the social media manager, and the HR generalist. Is this also true? You know, most days, yes. <laughs> most days, yes. Well, in any business, uh, as in any startup and anything new, we got to wear a lot of hats. But you're in the metal fabrication and art creation business. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I'd like to hear a little bit more about that. Yeah, so JFabworks is metal fabrication and welding, uh, whether it be repair or just fabrication of anything that just essentially has to do with metal. So I've had little old ladies come in and have me fix their thousand-year-old stool, or I've had contractors reach out and be like, hey, we need a a beam welded in place of this construction plan that we're doing. So that's pretty straightforward, but that's not what you're passionate about. Well, you are on some level, but what really gets you excited is the art you create, right? Correct. Okay. The the art is a passion and I and I might go on a rant here, but the Do it. the the art is where my heart is because the art is so one of my biggest fears is taxes, which I know that's everybody's, but the other one is being forgotten. So um, this day and age we live in, um, technology and just the day in the world uh, moves so quickly that if you aren't um, yelling at someone or cussing someone out or, you know, making a big fuss to where you are the center of the spotlight, um, essentially a day to maybe five hours later, you're just another period in history. And so with that, with my art, I'm trying to be impactful on the world while also bringing joy to everyone around me that can be talked about for generations to come. So for those of you listening, you know I love it when you're interactive. So grab that phone or open a browser and go to stainlessfloral.com. You can also check out check out the gram and go to at stainlessfloral. While you're there, you can see pictures of us if you go to at Startup Hustle Podcasts. And, and <laughs> we're also on, check us out on YouTube so you can see our talking heads. But um, so, well, let's, we're, we're going to jump forward a little bit here because when we talk about doing art and art's subjective, like some people are like, yeah, that's art. And some people are like, that's not art. And there's a lot of different things. But um, you make some, you know, right now you're working on some, 
some big things, one of which you told me, well, let's talk about the big flower. Okay. So I, with me being impactful, <clears throat> I'm actually working with the city of Kansas City, the Parks and Rec Department, on building a 10 to 15 foot stainless or stainless steel um, rose sculpture um, that will be a big piece that could be have lighting on it, um, have engravings on it, a message on it that kind of caters to the community around it. And also just be a piece that is nothing you've ever seen before. Now, there's there's some other stuff with that. You mentioned now, those were for sale? The sculptures? Or, or they required a donation? or So, right now, the first one is essentially a gift to the city. Okay. And so, with that, um, it kind of establishes a relationship with the city. And also allows me to kind of show proof of concept. Now, but we talk about creating something that's eternal mm -hmm. and uh, while records are meant to be broken, mm -hmm. wasn't there something else associated with that? Uh, yeah, there before that it was, um, I made a actually seven, um, seven, seven of these, uh, quarter million dollar roses. And they, and are. there's the number. Because, <laughs> um, by the way, and I think it's important to point this out because, you know, we're talking, I think people are visualizing a metal rose mm -hmm. and you're thinking like the size of an actual rose, not a quarter million dollar. Yeah. These, so the quarter million dollar ones, um, if you are on the stainless floor website, they are kind of a tabletop item and they are essentially made of titanium, glass, uh, platinum. And they will have they have four two carat diamonds on them. Um, also, if you were to buy one, I will actually deliver them to you personally anywhere in the world, and you'll also get a certificate from the Guinness Book of World Records for the world's most expensive artificial flower. Boom! Mm -hmm. There you go. I'm not sure that that's a title I'm going to hold anytime <laughs> soon. So you know, now you said you made how many of those? Seven. Have you sold one yet? I have not soon, right? Soon. And yeah. what's funny is the thing in, in my research and just trying to get into those communities, it's extremely tough because those are very close knit communities, very closed off and they are very, um, verbal. You're talking to art community or, um, the, the wealthy community and the art community. Okay. And so it's it's more of a I, I don't want to say that it's a buddy system, but it is a buddy system of you know my buddy sure. says hey this is cool let me look at it. And then well, that that was the comment. So I have some history with art, and I and I've actually learned a little bit about metal metal fabrication largely through the people that made our our lovely startup hustle sign here in the studio. I like it. Yeah, the the sign the, everyone loves the sign. It, ch it changes colors too. We should change the color just so we can like it's been one. it's been green for too long. So we'll go with there we go. Now I need one of these in my bed. So the, yeah, it's the sign is it's it's striking because it's a large piece of aluminum. It's four feet wide, but mm -hmm. you know it was made through some pretty interesting technology. Um, in regards to art, you know, at one point I uh, I I owned part of an art business, and there was a I basically funded a painter mm -hmm. and uh, really high end stuff, and we sold some you know uh, some paintings three four grand and. Some of these, uh, when I was in some of these galleries, they had sculptures 
which on some, I guess you're in the sculpture category in mm-hmm. some regards. Is that true? Yes. So with that, you know, like, but they're subjective because, you know, like sculptures are big in many cases. So you might have to keep it outside or mm-hmm. just different stuff. And I was talking to one of the gallery owners and they don't exactly move fast. Art doesn't either, but mm-hmm. so much of it is just, it, it's taken in by it's, you know, one person thinks it's the greatest thing they've ever seen. And one person's like, yeah, I'm not fucking paying. For yeah. That. <laughs> yeah. I get, I get a lot of that when I kind of tell people about the quarter million dollar roses, they're like, Oh, that's cool. Not for me. And yeah. Well, sure. But uh, now I did learn one thing about, uh, buying a quarter million dollar rose. What's that? You need to have a quarter million dollars. Yeah, that too. <laughs> so, so that said, I mean, that, that, and you probably need to have a hell of a lot more than that because if you have two fifty and that's all you buy, well, true. Yeah, maybe not the greatest thing, but but these levels. Of, so the thing is, is with art, though, is there's a level of exclusivity. Mm-hmm. You can't like was making seven of them too many. No, um, what kind of and kind of the backstory on it is what. I was I was just thinking about um, the regular roses, and I was like, you know, I want to make something that's just so fucking crazy that nobody would even even they would have to step to me and be like, hey, man, I really want that. I'd be like, yeah, get out of here, no. Right. Way. But I just wanted to just make it so insane. There's no way that you know regular person would get it. It'd have to be a one percenter. Sure. That just wanted something so exclusive, so handmade so catered to them that there's nothing like it in the world, which is well, most people that are going to buy you're, you're in the 1% category for anybody that's going to buy most or, original art, mm-hmm. you know, like meaning like the, uh, there's a difference between collecting prints and like the, the original mm-hmm. and, you know, even, I mean, original paintings, you know, well, I'm talking like high quality stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, even from unknown artists, but things that are really high quality, you're, mm-hmm. you're still going to, you're in thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. And I think that typically people aren't spending that kind of money on art unless Mm -hmm. it's something they're super passionate about or they have a lot of money. It's just the reality of it. Mm -hmm. You know, with that, that's a, and that's a thing too. It's like, and I think most people don't understand with art that it is to a regular person. It's just like, Oh, it's a painting or a sculpture or whatever. But the thing is, is art actually is essentially equity. And so can be. Yeah. yeah. And then some of it too. So I, I own, uh, I own, I think 35 original paintings Mm -hmm. and this is high quality stuff. Um, and I have a kind of an attachment to it because, um, a lot of the, the pieces are, um, they're figurative Mm -hmm. and, uh, they're, they're based off of, uh, have you ever heard of Fabian Perez? Sounds He's a well-known painter, but he, you know, uh, the, the guy that I was in business with was, a was a, uh, an apprentice to him. Mm-hmm. So his art is similar, but a lot of it, it had like a woman standing at a bar and you see her, her back and her hair or something like that or different stuff like that. But, and some of the, it, uh, in, in order to create some of this art, a lot of these painters, they work off of photo reference. Mm-hmm. So my wife was actually the model in some of them. So I have an, I have an attachment to That's some of cool. the, well, I have attachments to some of the paintings <laughs> yeah. and they're like real. I mean, these are paintings that like realistically are four or five grand. Mm-hmm maybe more in the gallery, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't really want to sell them. That's cool. And then because, because yeah. it's my wife and yeah. now the ones that aren't okay, sure. Maybe, <laughs> but you know, there's like, there's an attachment there and, and that's the whole thing. And, um, I learned with things like figurative art so there you could have a painting and like show the model's face 
or you could not. And the ones that didn't show the face or just a, a hint of it were the ones that sold really well because mm. the buyer pictured whoever they wanted to right. be there. And it wasn't like, so yeah, it, mm. it, it was just like, but it's subjective and it right. became meaningful to that person. So I think that the, the quarter million dollar rose is in that, yeah, that it's, same category. It's and kind of how I cater it to whomever is that the, it's just, it's just not the rose. So if you get one, you get an engraving. So whether it yeah. be a name, date, phrase, anniversary, whatever it is, that can be engraved on it. Seems um, like a reasonable add-on for the price. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You get a uh, an engraving on it. And so also um, just for the rose, you get a handmade polished mirror finished box that I made that's lined with red felt. Also, the box gets engraved with, you know, to my beloved one of seven, two of seven. Um, this is the product, and it'll get put in a really high quality wood box that I bring to you in person. Are all seven different? Yes, because they're all handmade. Okay. So, but, I mean, do they? I mean, do they noticeably look different too? Like, if you have an if, eye for detail, yes. If I bought all seven of them, because you got to have a bouquet. <laughs> I mean, you gotta do it all. Right? You got to, you know, you just got to flex the muscles. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though, and 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 it sounds odd to say this to some listening, though, but there, I could see someone buying all of them or only one. I think because there's merit to like having them all. Like true, if you believe is. in it in that regard, like you corner the market and right. like, I, I learned that with paintings too. Like they, people want a series, people will buy the whole series because mm-hmm. they have that series. And like, I thought it was so interesting with paintings because here you have this one original and it looks amazing. And then it's like, it gives baby products. It like has birth to like mm-hmm. all these different levels and layers of prints mm-hmm. and the quality of the print and they're number one <laughs> of 20 and then they're signed by the artist and then there's ones that are like i don't know that goes all the way down but the, the crazy thing is is you end up if done well and the artist is known and you can actually sell the stuff like they get a couple hundred grand oh yeah or more oh, out yeah. of one painting oh yeah but which I, some of these guys make these paintings in a couple of days too and they look great <laughs> sometimes they just get really good at it and yeah it's just like it's done yeah well that, i think that's part of what people are buying that you're good at it right so how long does it take to make a quarter million dollar rose? So you are looking at when some if someone were to approach me, it's uh, two weeks. Okay, two weeks, and the most time problematic area is because of the diamonds. So they're two carats, and they are VVS ones, and they the clarity is I think it's I H or I, and they are. One, the jeweler that I kind of collaborated with this, he has one and he has to source the other three. And usually they are either in California, New York or internationally. And so that's the biggest issue is sourcing those because two carat diamonds is not something you keep on hand. <laughs> and so or at least you have one of which is what I was told. And Interesting. So, mm-hmm. so what's the process of getting the Guinness Book of World Records to actually issue you a record? So the process on that is I went through all the hoops on this quarter million dollar rose. I had to get an insurance policy on this quarter million, quarter million dollar rose. And I had to um, insurance, photographic evidence, um, physical evidence, pictures, videos, um, a bio, um, the description sheets, material lists. And the last thing that I got hung up on that they were really needing was that it was real. So someone had to have bought one. I see. And so till then, once someone buys one, then the certificate will be issued to whomever. Interesting. Mm-hmm. 
Hmm. Yeah, extremely. Yeah, I don't. I'm trying to think if I would. If, what are for those of you listening? What are you a world record holder? At? <laughs> Just kind of weird. The Guinness Book's also known for having you know different weird mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. things i feel like god and you said that was artificial floral yeah artificial um rose or flower i think it is and it's at first i went looking for uh like a most expensive rose or something and i think right there was already a, a record for that and it was something that i was just like what really okay and so i was gonna say because while that sounds like a lot of money because of the the common nature of floral mm-hmm. or flowers and them being gift worthy mm-hmm. You know, it's, like it's yeah, and it's the reason that I just kind of sought after that. Other than the just making something just purely insane, it was just the sheer fact of that. That's just another footprint left in history by me. So, where did you start learning metal fabrication? So, like all good stories, it was because of a girl, and um, we, I was talking to this girl at the time, and. I could tell that we were in a relationship and it was kind of on the fritz and it was coming up on uh, Valentine's day. And I was like, man, I want to make her something that's going to be freaking cool. You know, she won't leave me and you know, be good. So I um, started playing around with some um, scrap stainless steel pieces at this plant I was working at at the time. And I kind of put them in an orientation. I was like, oh, that's cool. I'll oh, try this. Let me try that. Let me try this. And then I had a rose. They don't look like what they look like now. Um, but she took it. She liked it. She still left me. But <laughs> um, I actually kind of have to thank her because now I'm making them still to this day. That was six years ago. And so um, that kind of got my start into the metal fabrication world and just learning how to weld and fabricate just by getting jobs at top of the industry standard and just using my imagination and just keep kept going so i'm going to give you some relationship advice okay don't typically take on try to learn a skill trade because you're worried she's going to leave you <laughs> you never know like this, this people this worked out for jay it appears to be working out for Jay, but if you think that your girlfriend's going to leave you, do not decide to become a carpenter because you want to build her a house because you think that she'll stay. It's also maybe it really it's it's not advisable. And the reason the reason why is it takes a while to learn a skill trade. So if you're worried that she's going to leave you, it's probably going to happen by the time you figure out what the fuck you're doing. So Accurate. yes. Um, um, that Accurate. is that is the, the Matt DeCourcy's <laughs> advice for relationship advice. Yes, okay. <laughs> coming from a guy who's been married twice, both to women named Jill. Oh, so hey, you know, I was making a comment the other night. I said, "Man, I am so much better at marriage the second try. Like I've, I'm doing it much better the second the second lap through." But okay, so do you have any kids by chance? I do. I got a couple of them. Do? Yeah, awesome. I'm an old dad too. My kids, uh, my do- I have a five year old and a three year old. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, so I say old dad just because I, you know, I'm a, I'm 44 and some of my friends that are my age are like, yeah, my kids just graduated from college. I'm like, dude, <laughs> I changed a diaper today. <laughs> my daughter's too. And it's, it's, it's a heck of a process. I'm 28 as of October 17th. See, that's within the normal. That's within mm-hmm. the, yeah. And so it's, it's, it's fun being a parent. I, um, 
I actually, it's funny you say you're an old dad because I actually cre- <clears throat> created a um, Facebook group in Kansas City called Bad Dads of Kansas City. And so it's um, actually created because of, I was with my ex and I always like used to get pissed off because she'd be on her phone and she'd be in her mom group, which is called Bad Dads of, uh, or Bad Moms of jo- Joko or Kansas City. And I was like, man, dads need a place to you know, run our mouths and talk shit and talk about girls. And I thought that was that. just called everywhere. <laughs> well, this is online now. Oh, <laughs> Facebook. Okay. I see. And so, um, We've, we're using technology for what we've been doing for all of human history. Okay. Correct. I see. But it's fun being a parent. I, um, she, my daughter, uh, we kind of go on and off on days with my daughter and she was with me last night and I took her to school this morning and she is, um, she's, she is, the center of my world and ultimately the one that I'm kind of building this um, generational wealth per to say for, um, cause I just want her to have a better life than I did growing up and just to have the opportunities to do whatever she needs to do or wants to do. When, and that's admirable. Um, I commend you for that. Um, with that though, you did a lot of that with actually, we mentioned like the learning a, a skill trade or a craft. I mean, welding is one of those things that not many people know how to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's same with metal fabrication. Um, you know, as I was pointing this out earlier, you look at the startup hustle sign that we've made. This thing started as a sheet of stainless steel or aluminum, one of the two. Yeah. And, quarter inch aluminum. And it's thick mm-hmm. and it is carved to precision with a water jet, which is water, mm-hmm. high water, pressure water, high pressure water cutting through thick mm-hmm. metal. Mm-hmm. And that's a very precise thing. I was done with a very expensive machine and that was programmed to do such. Mm-hmm. Um, not always the case and not always accessible for people. So does this exist for you? Does your art exist for you now as a welding torch and metal i mean and a couple of like other things or i mean because the water jet machine that was that's an expensive piece of machinery yeah i think they are five hundred thousand. they're a lot i don't know how much they're they're a lot and i I imagine you can like rent time on them and get people to do stuff so Mm -hmm. like is i mean is some of that like i mean where do you you also talk about titanium and stuff Mm -hmm. like that these i mean you mess it up you don't get to be like oh do over no reset Mm -hmm. i get to use another guy it's very expensive stuff yeah, yeah. I, I love to work with titanium, um, and that's actually kind of on the JFab front what kind of separates me from the regular welders in Kansas City because there's actually a handful of welders in Kansas City that can probably mess with titanium. There's even slimmer that can actually do it correctly. And so um, when you're ma- messing with high-end materials like that, um, myself separates myself from everyone else because just the sheer fact of that, I kind of – nerd out on these rare exotic metals that you can manipulate and do whatever you want with and make them look pretty and you know yeah. strong and stuff like that. And, that and that is a whole thing that so will claire um you can check them out willclaire.com they do these big industrial things but john who's the the dad of the two and i know john and tom but um john is like is like a PhD of metallurgy. Like, I mean, he's like the guy mm-hmm. and that's the, you, what you, exactly what you talk about. And we spend a lot of time talking about there being riches in the niches mm-hmm. and you know, like so it's weird to say that like a skill trade, like, like welding is a niche 
and it is it kind of. I mean, granted, there's a lot of welders out there, but they're. I mean, eh, I don't know a whole lot of them. There's, you might, but, yeah, I, but they're I, in short yeah. supply. They mm-hmm. are just like computer programmers and a lot of other people, mm-hmm. because we don't inherit. Well, we're doing a better job with the technology of directing our kids through these things. But people I talk to in the construction industry mm-hmm. are consistently mm-hmm. voicing their con- not only concern but frustration with the lack of things like you know here's the thing mm-hmm. if you need a well you need a welder for some stuff and there's not a substitute mm-hmm. yeah the thing with nowadays and skilled labor and trades is most companies like myself um i have a little bit of different reasons but they are upset that they can't find someone either a skilled yep. or they can't find someone that is willing to work that is skilled and so that's part and sometimes of, affordability yeah that too yeah and my thing is that I get people, I get at least two to three phone calls a week for people to want to be hired. And I just simply say no, because I don't, it's my company and you know, it's my name. Meaning and, they want you to hire them. Correct. And I can't afford for Jim to come in Monday and mess up a million dollar job because his wife didn't make him a pork chop. I can't afford to do that. And so it is a curse in itself because I kind of stretch myself a little bit thin going that way, but it's also manageable and I can kind of cap work and control things and also hyper-focus on projects that are more beneficial rather than just a dollar. Gotcha. So, yeah, that's, and you know, like there's, I mean, like I said, there's a lot of interesting things. And the, the point was if you can find an in demand anything mm-hmm. and learn how to do it and do it well, mm-hmm. I mean, the thing is, is like you can get work, you can make good, you can make good money. And it's like, I mean, you look at like a plumber. Like, I, I mean, do plumbers get paid? I have Damn, a buddy. Like paid. <laughs> now, now, now you got to be willing to stick your arm in some shit. Or but, dig a hole. But not all plumbers do that, man. Some plumbers come in and they do a house before the pipes are filled with turds mm-hmm. but you know the thing is is there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that's out there and you got to wrap your arms around learning how to do it right. so um by the way you can go to stainlessfloral.com and um check out the gift that you're going to send myself and matt watson we only accept quarter million dollar roses <laughs> um that's uh yeah there's i'm not telling you man, people it sounds like it's far-fetched but you know there's a there's some dude in dubai that made that much money while he was eating breakfast. Yeah. And he, yep. and he's worried that his girl is going to leave him. I actually have a, buddy. and he's like, what can I do? <laughs> he's, and he went to, he went to stainless floral.com and bought all of yeah, them. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Yeah. Bought all of them. And I uh, gave a uh, starter fossil 10%. So yeah, I'm go. down. So make sure to mention <laughs> that you heard about that here and yeah, whatever works, whatever is good for you. Just make sure you just drop the name. Yeah. I think that would work. I, mean, I feel like you'd be good with writing that affiliate check. That'd be yeah, okay yeah. with that. Yeah. Did 100%. you have a story that went with that? No, uh, I actually have a buddy that reached out to a, a friend of his in Dubai, and it kind of insulted me when he said this. But he's like, "Yeah, I sent this. I sent that to the, my buddy in Dubai, and he just simply said it wasn't too flashy." And I was like, "What? It's not flashy enough." 
I guess we got to just, you know, sp- speckle it in 24 karat gold flakes, I guess, or something. Or like cover that. it completely in diamonds. Or, or the diamond, you know, there's a thing, diamond dust. You can powder yeah. coat diamond dust. No, I get it. I mean, I'm saying like, uh, I mean, I may, I haven't seen the picture yet, but like, I mean, maybe he's got a point because their thing is, it's like once you're over the top, like, I mean, you go all the way. Yeah, it's all the way. But, the, but when you, but, I, and I mean that because there is stuff like you, it, I wish I could do a Robin Leach voice, like <laughs> here on the lifestyles of the rich and famous but when mm-hmm. you see stuff like that i mean it really is like you'll it'll be something that's completely covered in like tiffany diamonds yep you yep. know and they're like it has got nine hundred thousand individual mm-hmm. diamonds you know mm-hmm. but it's you know i mean maybe it's a point maybe you should get you need to it, the problem is is currently you sound like you can only source about four of the diamonds that you need. Mm-hmm. So, well, at a time. So I if see. somebody were to buy all of them, then I'd be screwed because I'd be like, I don't, I don't know the diamond world. Yeah, and buy so. a two carat. <laughs> let me a two carat diamond with the clarity of a HRI is probably what, like a twenty five thousand dollar diamond. Thirty eight. Thirty eight. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I bet if you bought more than one, you get that price down there. Yeah. <laughs> I hope. It's funny. <laughs> I did. You know, you talk about diamonds, and not all diamonds are the same. Mm-hmm. She will remind you of that mm-hmm. at some point. So, uh, <laughs> so you know, back to the it, when it comes to the startup nature of your art. What's the biggest challenge that you have? <clears throat> the biggest problem um, with starting out <clears throat> on your art is honestly, for me, it's just it's the funding because. Me as a single dad, 28 years old, um, just trying to provide a normal living situation for my, me, myself, myself, and my daughter, and also doing art that can, you know, be expensive or time consuming or just a big scale. Um, I don't think people understand that, you know, when you do art and you see those big sculptures and stuff like that, put in by a city, that stuff is very expensive and it's usually a lot more hands than just the artist. Yeah, to build it, to move it. Right, move it. And buy it the stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and if you're going to put something in, I mean, you might need permits. Yep. Need stuff like that. Yep, drawings. And like you mentioned, hands. Yeah, lots hands. of hands. And, and, and depending on but something like metal that can be heavy, I mean, you might need a crane. I actually do need one soon. Uh, you know, some like weirdly heavy equipment. Mm-hmm. There's a documentary on Netflix. They and wherever they make Legos, they built like a like a truly like a castle mm-hmm. out of Legos, huh. like a real thing. But they were like showing it. And they're like they and you know you understand the the like well you have to have people in it. Mm-hmm. So they were like had but they had to make it out of Lego. So they're like lifting in like a like the equivalent of a steel girder made of lego it's still pretty pretty darn heavy um and you know just like like you said the um and then the level of planning and different stuff so okay um yeah and and i think that i mean really it's sales yeah that i mean that's the key because i mean if you want to I've gone through this with, I just published a book about the music industry mm-hmm. and wrote it with some successful musicians. And I'm not a successful musician, but I did work in the music industry. But you have to look at what you're doing. As an artist, you have to accept the fact that if you want to do that as a career, you it's a, it has to be a business. Yes. And that means you have to sell stuff. You have to make decisions that you can't spend $100 generating 50 mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And, and there's a whole a level and layer of, 
of planning mm-hmm. and thoughtfulness, but the sales part's hard. Yes. And then, and then the bigger you get the coordinator, the coordination part of it, you know, and oh like, God, yeah. well, I mean, and like with that, like you look at a band and if you're going to play people, it might not sound like a lot that you're going to play for 500 people. That's actually kind of a big show, mm-hmm. like 500 people. Like you got to have a lot of shit to, mm-hmm. to do that. Like there's a lot of equipment associated with that. You yep, get up to, good. you get up to 3000. Now you, you're hauling a truck. You've got people setting up stuff. You know, you don't see. Um, a rock star out on stage plugging in his guitar pedals Mm -hmm. 20 minutes before the show. Like that's not how that works. Like Mm -hmm. all this different stuff. And there's a whole bunch of coordination. And the thing is, is, but the thing is, is if you don't sell tickets, you're not going to pay the bills. You're not going to do that. There's it's hard. It's hard. Mm -hmm. There's, there's a lot, a lot of moving parts and a lot of stuff that gets in there. So, so as far as how much of your time right now are you spending on the art? As com- as opposed to the commercial side of the fabrication business, so um, I would have to say I would probably say forty percent. Okay, and the rest is JFab Works because the JFab Works is kind of my day to day bill paying machine and just phone phone ringing off the hook for it hey can you fix this hey can you make this hey can you come out and weld this and stuff yeah like that. and artists like painters and stuff will some they do commissions and different things mm-hmm. like that but but that's the hard part mm-hmm. is you know like is being able to make that leap mm-hmm. make that leap to where you can do it and i'll tell you what man and i i'm not an artist but i I consider myself to be a creator. I've written mm-hmm. three books. Mm-hmm. It's hard to schedule when you're going to do that. Yeah. Like for me, that was always difficult. Like, and I, and maybe I consider myself an artist as an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. but inspiration is hard to turn on. It, well, it is. And can it's, we, a, yeah. Like, can we talk about inspiration? Yeah, sure. Man, that's just, just it's, it's, there's been many, <clears throat> um, of times where, just it's just gone just nothing and then some people have a hard time just stopping and taking it back and breathing and just go enjoy the sunlight and just stop hitting it so hard and it'll come to you because it's just there's been many times where i'm just like so motion no motivation no inspiration and then i just take a trip with a buddy a road trip to chicago and we just party it up all weekend and it clicks for me when I see someone, you know, or I see something and I wonder how it got there and who put it there and, you know, what's that person's name. And and then I'm, I'm just like, well, you know, maybe I should. And then I'm back in it and then the juices start flowing and then I'm start, you know, asking around and sending more emails and stuff like that. So I've, I've actually spent a lot of time researching and talking to a lot of different people on this exact topic um, for a lot of different reasons. So, you know, I, I do a lot of different things. Um, it's funny. Someone asked me today, they were like, you do, you do so much stuff. How do you keep your head above water? And I said, I just decided to grow gills instead. But, uh, <laughs> but there's a few things. And, and this is what's hard is if you have to have like a quote day job, then yeah. you have things that that, um, you're committed to. And I haven't been in that situation for a very long time. So Mm -hmm. when, when I feel inspired and these come and I'm inspired to do something almost every day, Mm -hmm. but I don't know what, 
on some days. <laughs> okay. So, but I've learned to the a couple things is is to identify it and to ride it as long as I want to or can. Mm-hmm. And those are two different things because sometimes I don't need to be inspired for eight hours to on certain things. I may choose to turn it off. It's difficult to turn on, but don't let it go. Like in my last book, I actually wrote 12,000 words in 24 hours, which is unheard of. I sent it to my editor and he actually was funny. He goes, so did you figure out the perfect combo of Adderall and coffee or something? And I was like, (laughs) no, but, but I felt inspired. And like, the thing was, is like, I let it, I just like opened up and let it all flow. Now here's the thing. I didn't write another word for that book for four months. So I don't know why, like when, why, or where, or how that happened, but I, I, I have uh, a supporting cast, um, you know, both personally and professionally that, mm-hmm. that I can trust to let them know like, Hey, I'm in the zone and they will leave me alone. Mm-hmm. And my wife did that for me that particular day. She understands that there are times when that occurs, but, um, all three of my books, I predominantly wrote overnight, mm-hmm. meaning like from the hours of 10 uh, PM to 6 AM, mm-hmm. um, largely because things are very still. There's not a lot of distractions. It's right. easy to kind of get in there, but, um, and then, uh, so some of the people that I've, I've also, uh, get, I, I know a lot of musicians that do so professionally mm-hmm. and wait, so they, they're perfect. No, they're professional musicians. Oh, yes. They like they sew, like they're no, no, machine, no, like no, 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 no. I say like, if you're a professional, like some people, you're, you're technically a professional musician if you get paid, mm-hmm. but I mean like, that's all you do. Yeah. And you like are an adult. You're not like living in a van, <laughs> like waiting for the coffee gag on Friday. Yeah. But, um, one of which is, is, um, someone I really look up to and a really good friend is a, is Jake Seninger, who's uh, the guitarist in a band called Humphreys McGee, play 100 shows a year, three to 9,000 people a night. <clears throat> he's largely regarded as one of the greatest guitar players alive right now. Mm-hmm. And he's really freaking amazing. Mm-hmm. But I've talked, uh, we have had an ongoing conversation about inspiration for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking forward to the next one. Um, but because he's fascinated with myself as, as an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And I have like all these like crazy ideas that are constantly rattling around in my head. Like on many days, I wish they'd shut the fuck up and leave me alone because <laughs> I can't address most of them or all of them or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, um, there's, a, you know, and like, it, it's, it drives me crazy. It really is like kind of noisy and cluttered up there on a lot of days, but, and the same goes for him, but his point is, so the thing that's fascinating is, is that that show is going to start and he has to turn that on. He has to turn that on. And I find that to be so fascinating. So how do you get there? How do you know, like, what do you do that brings yourself to the point where, you know, when 5,000 people and like, there's nights where you're a little more inspired than others, but you still have to perform on this like really ridiculous level. And people come to their shows sometimes to see that part of it and other things. And that's a main attraction. So you can't blow it. Yeah. But he's just always, he always is playing guitar and thinking about it and doing a lot of different things. He'll, uh, but, and I said, well, why? And he said, cause the, cl- uh, he's, he refers to it as like massaging that part of his brain. Cause the closer he stays to it, the closer it is to get back to it. Mm-hmm. So he's, you know, like, I mean, 
it's insane. And it also shows that like, you got to do something a lot to truly be a master of it. Mm-hmm. Um, he also does other weird things too. Like just to to- talk about being a total master of what you do. Like he'll, he'll sit in a chair and look at a guitar that's in a stand and, and think about everything he wants or needs to play, but from a reverse angle. And it's literally, think about that. He's literally like learning it inside and out. And does weird things like when he practices or goofs around, intentionally plays wrong notes to see where that would go next. He's looking for the note that's unplayed. Sometimes that mistake leads to that next couple steps after that is now, oh shit, I haven't gone there before. So it's like weird stuff. And like, it's like literally like, like, Mind for, blown. well, forcing failure. Mm-hmm in order to see what happens after because mm-hmm. inherently your mind and you react to failure and different things. Like it's just like forcing change. It's mm-hmm. just really like, you know, it's, I've really found that to be really interesting and everyone has a different thing. Some people can put themselves into that zone. It's like what they're surrounded by and stuff like that. But I think that's really interesting because when you, a lot of people, especially entre- entrepreneurs and creatives and artists, they're afraid to fail. Which, no, not me. No, yeah. Well, oh, that's no. good. That's good yeah. because the good ones I know aren't afraid to fail. That's <laughs> well, not. Yeah, you've you've shook that out of your system. Yeah, you, you actually want to fail in a lot of ways because the the faster you fail, the closer you are to not failing. Correct. Just getting like you have to look at it in a different way. You're like. I'm, you know, it's like a salesperson, like, okay, well, I just heard eight no's. I'm that much closer to a yes. Yes. You know, just some of these things. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, part of it. Right. And the closer you get to that, the more easily you are to succeed. And also you just keep trying because you've, yeah. you've reached a low point too. You can't go lower. So Oh dude, going? there's a, there's a lot of, there's a really a thing called founder's depression. Like mm-hmm. it's a real thing. Entrepreneurs are, um, like statistically, fucked up in the head compared to the rest of the world. Like when it comes to a lot of things, um, a lot of entrepreneurs are like ADHD kind of. And some of that is because that some of those traits tend more towards you're just, you're a little more likely to take risks yes, and stuff like that for me. Um, and I do consider myself a successful entrepreneur, but I didn't until I quit. I, I was like, you know what? I can always make money. I'm a good salesperson. So in the end, I, I can never really be broke unless there is just no economy. And then I got other problems. Right. You know, we've gone Mad Max at that point. I'm, you're right. <laughs> and then I'm a big guy. So maybe I'll be all right there. But, you know, but the thing is, it's like, but, but knowing in the end, and that's what's hit, it can, if you're, if you're too afraid to fly close to the sun, you'll never figure out whether or not it's a good idea or not to fly close to the sun. Yes. And sometimes in regards to flying close to the sun, you know, there's that story, you know, the, the wax on on Icarus's wings then melted and he fell to the ground. I just think he wasn't flying fast enough. Cause if if you go fast enough, I think you can literally go through the sun and and end up all right on the other side. But (laughs) anyway, so, well, (laughs) as as we kind of round out this episode, by the way, this is what I love about the show because you don't know what. I mean, that's, like I said, the conversational nature of things. I think that, you know, inspiration is it, whether you're an artist, like be an artist at whatever it is that you want to be good at. Mm-hmm. That's what I tell people just yeah. to keep going. Oh yeah. Keep going. Cause I, I look up to like Kevin Hart. Sure. Favorite comedian. Um, he, 
is a overnight success. But is, is not. Is not. No, no, yeah, right, right. Sorry. Because that 10 years of him hitting little shows, doing yeah. stupid stuff in movies, you look back on these old movies in the 90s, you're like, holy shit, that's Kevin Hart. Holy yep. fuck. And now he's the, I think, one of the top, most top paid comedians in the world. And so. Well, he sells out arenas. Yeah. And, for, and that's for very, th- that's, that's really uncommon mm-hmm. for comedians. comedians. Like most yeah. comedians, like the good ones will sell out two, 3,000 seats. Mm-hmm. They're not doing arenas. They're, yeah. Arenas. Yeah. Arenas. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I used to be a ticket broker. I was, I got pretty familiar with the difference between being popular and people being passionate about what you do. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the, uh, uh, yeah, but yeah, like you said, and in some places like two nights in a row. Yeah. Two nights in a row. That's that's wild as a comedian. And his tickets aren't cheap either on top of it too. (laughs) So it's like, wow, good for you. And it's just, just being persistent because no matter what it is you do, as long as you believe in it, just stay adamant about it. And then, you know, that five to 10 years of you doing it, somebody will notice and you'll be in a niche or you'll blow up. Or if you just keep, like you mentioned, if you just keep going, um, sometimes success is just a matter of who's going to quit first. Like you mentioned, like your, your competition, like there's a, a level of tenacity. Now at the same time, you, sometimes the best four letter word in your life is next. You know, like not everything is just going to be fixed by not quitting. Mm -hmm. Sometimes quitting is actually the right choice, but then to spend more time doing something else. I think to help would to kind of touch on a point of as far as entrepreneurship and just being an artist is what people don't really take into account is negativity. And as an entrepreneur and an artist, when you present an idea or you're doing something that is out of the norm for your social circle around you and it's just nothing but negativity, you have to distance yourself. No, I remove myself from that. I don't, I ain't, yeah. ain't no one got time for that. Yeah. And I think people nowadays don't understand that because they're so tied to their social circles and their acceptance, acceptance that they're getting from those people. And, you know, I have people all the time that, hey, what do you think about this? That's a good idea. Do it. I won't tell people that if I don't think it is though, <laughs> I'm being serious. Like, but I don't also don't offer that advice unless asked. Okay. I like agree. if you say, Hey man, cause I get that a lot, dude. Like, Hey, mm-hmm. I'd love to run this by you. Would you take a look at this? I'd love your feedback. So on and so forth. Now the thing is, is I tell them, I say, look, um, you can't be mad at me if I don't tell you what you don't want to hear. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to argue with you. Mm-hmm. about whether I'm wrong. And like, if I don't like it, I'm not going to sit here and fucking argue with you about why you're right. And I'm not, <laughs> you ask for an opinion. I'm going to give it to you. I don't feel like having a debate after. So What's like, the most craziest idea you've ever been that's been presented to you. Oh man. Like the craziest or like yeah. the, like the, like what was like, it, that depends. Like somebody came to you and they're like, Hey man, I want to run this by you and listen. You're like, all right, sure. Fuck. I got, I had seconds. a dude give me a, uh, approach me after I gave a speech and, uh, and he goes, Hey man, I want to tell you about a business idea I have. It's going to, I'm going to take down Amazon. <laughs> and I said, and I said, dude, I don't have time. And he's like, what do you mean? He's like, you don't want to hear it. And I was like, no, I really don't. And he said, why? And I said, cause you don't have a shot at all. 
Dude, someone had a fucking sex tape of Jeff Bezos, and he's still around, man. He like literally is still the richest dude in the world. You're not going to do he it. Did. Yeah, I'm just saying, <laughs> just saying. Like, but there's certain things. Like, I mean, I say like the craziest, and I don't, I, I wouldn't, I'm not going to call a bunch of people out, but, but that that particular approach right there, like, you don't have a chance, man. Like, yeah, I'm just, I'm sorry. Some things get too big that, like, I mean, unless, and by the way, that person approaching me wasn't Google. Right. You know, cause it's just the reality is like that, that'd be very difficult and, and stuff like that. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I run into a lot of different things. I think the thing that, that if you're going to ask someone for their opinion and it's someone whose opinion you value, I think it's important to come proper. And mm-hmm. I think the thing that it's not necessarily about crazy ideas, it's more about crazy approaches. Like mm-hmm. I've had people like give me business plans the, uh, for the dot com they want to start. And then on the cover page of the plan, it's like contact me at yahoo.com. <laughs> I'm like, you can't even, you got like that, like that oh, shit right there man. will make me throw it in the trash. Yes. I'm like, if that's what, if that's page one, I feel comfortable that the rest of it's going to suck. <laughs> and I just, well, but it's true. Like, you yeah. know, that's the thing. And I'm not saying I'm, there's no high browness in that, but like for real, like you're mm-hmm. pitching a dot com. Like if you can't make an email right. at the domain <laughs> that you're pitching someone on, like you okay. are not the right person to run this. I'm going to ask you a personal question. So, okay. Do you judge people on their emails? Like so, the ones they send me? No. So not the email itself, like their email handle. So like if you get an email from someone, it's like from Yahoo or Gmail or anything like that. Do you just like in your head be like, man, this guy's living in the nineties. Um, if you have an AOL one, okay, for sure. And some, I mean, when you say judge, like I, you know what? I notice it Mm -hmm. on some levels, but I mean the, the, almost, I mean the overwhelming majority, like almost all of my (coughs) email correspondence is with, with people that have, you know, not a, you're referring to web mail. Yeah. addresses i mean i'm not going to email you back if you're like sporty balls at, no at, at yeah, gmail no, no i mean no. but like that but the thing is 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 and it depends like it, well it, it, i could i could it depends like if you're wanting to be on the podcast and you're okay. pitching me about your startup and sure. and you're sending me a gmail i'm thinking the same thing i just mentioned mm-hmm. i'm like you should have an email at the domain that mm-hmm. you're that you're at or just some different stuff like that. And and it depends on what you do. Like I might not do that for you because you're in the metal fabrication business. I mm-hmm. don't expect you to be like a, a tech star. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, but son, and it, the whole point is not that hard to make an email. I agree. It's I not, agree. but just curious. Yeah. Okay. And then some of it, but yeah, I think some people are, are, are a little smarter about that. Um, I do. I do. Now that you bring it up, I do kind of look at it. I'm like, wow, Hotmail is still a thing. I'm like, for real, Hotmail is still a thing. Yes. Same with Yahoo and AOL. I'm like, Yahoo I mean, is the one that really gets it. I'm like, Jesus AOL Christ. is the big one. My dad sells an AOL account. <laughs> you know, hey. it kind of shows the stickiness of certain things because it, like, you still pay for that. Yeah. You're like subscribing to your email address yeah. for like probably like 10, 20 bucks a month, mm-hmm. <coughs> which just, is crazy because yeah. everything is free everywhere. Well, anyway, Jay, <laughs> thank you for coming by. Um, I, we got, a, we got away from the subject of art startups and, uh, but that's, that, that's, uh, not a problem because that was entertaining. If you want to learn more about what Jay does, <laughs> you can actually go to Jay Fabworks. That's W E R K S. If you need help with metal fabrication or go to stainlessfloral.com where 
you can begin the process of purchasing me a quarter million dollar rose. Um, <laughs> I do have cheaper options just for the, everyone listening. No, they I are don't want options. I don't want, I don't want, if you're buying it for me, go big or go home. Um, if you want to learn more about what we do, at full scale, go to fullscale.io. Check out the podcast on at Startup Hustle Podcast on Instagram, and make sure to stop by the Startup Hustle YouTube channel so you can check out my talking head. See you next time. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Startup Hustle with Matt DeCorsi and Matt Watson. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit startuphustle.xyz. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time on Startup Hustle.